Hello, I'm Scott Sasha. I'm Evan Novi Williams. And I'm Michael Barr. This is the Bloomberg Business of Sports Podcast, where we, and we are all here, all four of us, that's right, exploring the big money all, issues. All four of us. Yeah. Five. Medina. Five. Five. You're right. Right. Who's the fifth? His man bun. Oh, oh there it is. <laughs> the side I knew. bun. There it is. Evan rocking the man. You have to put a picture of it on your Twitter feed now. You look like you belong on a nickel. Mm, or bartending in Williamsburg. Axe <laughs> <laughs> throwing, yes. Oh, man. It's, it's awful because he doesn't really have enough hair. And he knows it. He's cognizant of this. I am. Yet he's still pulling it back into this little I pigtail like it, though, thing. man. Michael Barr likes it. That's all I need. It, it That's good. really all I need. No offense, Barr, but your hairstyle is not like, I mean. Well. Like if Medina was like, I love it, I love it, fine. But she's like, eh. What's wrong with Barr's hair? No, well, no, I'm saying not his hair. I'm saying his take on, oh. you know. <laughs> I wouldn't say to Barr, how do you think I should style my hair? My clothing? No, you wouldn't. My, my shirt, I might say, you Mr. Lavender, you. For the but, record, I've always complimented Evan's hair. I always say it great looks hair. very Great hair. This is about the style, not the hair. And, it's a, yeah, I, yes. I, I just think that this is, it's like a weird side thing. He's not even bunning it right. right. I mean, there's a lot oh, going on here. Man. And I'm staring at it right now. Like I I, you got a nice side I angle on it nice from, the, from this behind yes. the glass. It's awful. He's got, he's got oh, stuff man. on the sides. Yeah, he doesn't know whether he wants to be like a samurai or a, or an NHL hockey God player damn, or guys. something else. It's just a little wispy on yes. the bottom. Yeah, it's just stuff going everywhere. Happy Monday morning, everybody. Uh, he needs like a bobby pin to hold up the rest of it. You know? So we all, the five of us, we should name it. Let's name it. What, what, what would you name it? Maurice. Maurice. There we wow. go. Maurice I like it, man. I, I, I would name it. <laughs> I would name it Evan. That's I, it. I am going Thank to be you. so impressed as to how many people get through this part and actually listen to the rest of the podcast. <laughs> this is fantastic. How, let's, we're really testing our audience right well, now. Well, you know, I, now see, I gotta, we were talking about what we do over the weekend and all the other stuff, and I, I got to give a shout out, and, and you'll see why I'm, I'm bringing this up in a second. By the way, uh, I have a cousin, and he is putting on a comic in Art Expo. It's in uh, Ronkonkoma, New York. Yeah, near Medina. This Saturday, yeah. In well, this by near where I grew up. Yeah. Are, are you like you're actively promoting a family I, member it, or something on the air? It's, it, there's a reason for it, though. Okay. There's a reason because you asked me what what I did for the weekend, and you know I am totally ignorant when it comes to. Oh, you could stop right there, buddy. <laughs> you didn't. You don't need to finish the sentence. <laughs> you, you could stop right there, buddy. No, I mean I I don't know about these action adventures. My 13 year old son, and we were talking about. Hey, you know, you remember, you know, what is it? Avengers, Infinity War, whatever the heck it was, yeah. that movie. Well, I, I don't know. I don't want to give anything away, but I didn't know what the heck was going on. You know, unless it's like a movie that's 50 years old, like Bullet, I don't know what the heck's going on. Right. Chris Christopherson is your idea of an action. <laughs> <laughs> See how I brought him back no, I, right, with, with what's out in the movie theaters now? My wife is mad at me because what's this thing? Agent Shield? Is that's another thing that's out there? I have no idea what you're talking about. That's why I, hey, I'm with you. I, I don't, but I guess this is all part of the, you know, superhero thing. How does it get back to the cousin? Because this is this is how it started. We were talking oh. about this, and then we started talking about the superheroes and all the other stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't, I mean, I don't know a doggone thing. You know, the only superhero I know is Tom Brady. Oh, segue. Whoa. 41 yeah, years What about Mahomes? Old. You don't think he was a superhero? I do think he's okay. a superhero, but I'm talking Tom Brady at 41. Yeah. 
And he beat the Kansas City Chiefs. On a rushing touchdown. Tom yes. Brady with the legs. You don't hear that. That's Tom Brady saying. with the legs. Uh, that's what I'm saying. It's like there aren't many 40-plus quarterbacks in the league that did serious damage. How'd the Jaguars do? Because Eben and his Jaguar Ooh. fan buddies got together to watch Ooh. that game. How'd the Jaguars do, Eben? Uh, it was not a win, and it was not a tie. It was, yeah. a, it was a blowout loss. Bigger question, is Shad about to take a big loss on Wembley? Yeah. Yes. This is, now, this is, we're back to the sports business portion of the show. <laughs> it, it, that was a cool segue. Thank I you, liked that. That you. was good. <laughs> yeah, so the, the owner of the Jaguars, Shad Khan, appeared last week to be closing in on, you know, finally buying Wembley Stadium. Uh, it's a big stadium in London. It's where the, the NFL plays plays a majority of its games. For what purpose, there. Evan? Why would Shad Khan <laughs> want Wembley Stadium? Uh, there's a number of reasons. Why? The Jaguars are are one of those te- the, the team that plays the most in London right now. Uh, and it does appear as though there's at least uh, some thinking in the works about maybe playing more games there, maybe doing a four games in Jacksonville, four games in, in London. Uh, as we look towards the long-term future of the NFL, uh, no secret that they, they they envision a league at some point that involves franchises beyond just the United States. Uh, London would be a logical place for that, uh, and Shad Khan may be gearing himself up uh, to have a team that makes that jump when the league is ready. I thought you would have said, of course, he owns Fulham, the soccer team. He also owns Fulham, so, the soccer yes. team. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it the, the Wembley deal, according to reports this week, may be kind of falling apart. I think it was a $600 million Offer six hundred million pound offer, which is about eight hundred million dollars uh, right now. Uh, that may be falling apart because of the FA and some concerns there. Um, but I, I don't think the Jaguars' future in London is contingent on him owning Wembley. But it right. certainly, as as we've talked about many times, if you own the stadium and the team that plays in the stadium, that's much better than owning just one of those assets and the network. But there's, uh, we know that's not going to happen. But <laughs> yeah. you know, if you just get that network too, you said it nicely though. You said possibly falling. I I heard the phrase grave danger. Mm. Right. So I, you know, it's so what happens here if this just goes kerplunk? I mean, yes, we, somebody is going to buy Wembley, but what happens if this deal goes kerplunk? Well, what was this about? Like the FA not being able to control enough of the money, it goes elsewhere. If, if yeah, the deal I think there was through. concerns about what, yeah, where the revenue would go. I mean, I he owns a a huge asset in in America, right? right. And and that that asset is significantly bigger than the sports asset that he owns in London. Right now, being being Fulham, but the NFL uh, must love the fact that somebody's putting their hand up. We'll go. We'll be there. We love to do it. it it's synergistic with my other certainly. Team. Like and, we can make this happen. And it's no secret that the, the Jaguars in Jacksonville have struggled to draw people. You know, there's an argument that if you spend a couple games in 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 London every year, and then your home game slate in Florida is six games, let's say instead of eight, you know, that's a smaller ask of your fans if they want to buy season tickets. Uh, it, it usually cheaper, goes the other way easier. as the fans are being ripped off. They're they're losing home games, but in Jacksonville, that actually works. Yeah, as that a plus. might actually work out as a, yeah. as a business positive. Uh, the team is good now, which and who knows how how that changes things. Still as saying well that in terms after Sunday. His Still saying that. Huh? Still saying that okay. right now. We'll we'll, we'll see. <laughs> hey, since Wembley is known for soccer, here's yeah. another segue. Oh, <laughs> Let's go, go to the Haslam family. Uh, they have big-time interest in purchasing MLS team Columbus Crew. Well, somebody needed to purchase them or else that team was off to Austin. And yeah. you don't you don't need the musical chairs of cities in the MLS right now. And here's a guy. He owns an NFL team. Here we go again. It's the soccer and football and the, these empires of, of sports assets and how do you put them together and, and how do they drive each other. 
uh, close to each other now. You know, you got you got Browns and Columbus. So uh, good for him. Good for the franchise. Good for the fans. There. Yeah, it's funny. I can you think of other save the the franchise movements that have succeeded? I mean, maybe I'm jaded, but it felt as though in the past couple of years, all these people that wanted the Raiders to stay in Oakland lost out everyone who wanted the rams to stay in st louis well there was just lost so out. much money i the mean that, that was that just a byproduct the chargers of to move to stay in san diego lost out the the, the columbus well, they didn't crew lose out. they didn't pay for a stadium sure and i, I mean, mean that's part of the deal he i mean it not not entirely but it's part of the deal here it just seems as though i mean when, when everybody started the save the crew movement which was almost exactly a year ago uh it just felt like a futile effort it's actually kind of nice to see that it appears as though the team maybe still worked out. Yeah, yeah. But see, I, I, here's my problem with the the Rams moving from St. Louis to L.A. It's not the L.A. part; it's the St. Louis part because it's conveniently forgotten that St. Louis got the team from L.A. in the first place. Yes, and so it's they're just going back to their roots. And it was a lot like Oakland. When Oakland and there was that brief moment, they were the L.A. Raiders, and they moved back to Oakland, and now they're going to. Right, we're going to dispel the ready bar. We're going to dispel the myth once again that these franchises, and I know this is sacrilegious, are somehow, as owners say all the time, these are civic trusts. I, when they, you know, get a new owner, I don't own the team. I'm just the caretaker. This belongs to the fans. This, these teams are nothing more than any other business in town. Business ain't good, guess what? You close the shop, you go somewhere else perhaps. That's what they are. These are businesses. They are not civic trusts. They do not belong to the fans, no matter how many times you're going to hear an owner say it. Owners will do, in most cases, what is best for themselves. And if that means picking them up, Packing the moving truck at night. Hello, Mayflower. Hello, Jim Irsay. Off we go. That's what they do. Yeah, that was. But that move though from the Baltimore Colts to the Indianapolis that was that was just mean. I mean, because they did it in the middle of the night. Snowy. You see this? You can. I mean, it's one of those indelible images. You can see the yeah. snow. You can see the Mayflower. Mayflower yeah, you always wonder if, like, boy, that was really bad <laughs> PR for them to be to be the picture of this team moving um but that's the way nowadays they wouldn't even do it under the cover of night and snow whatever back it up at 9 a.m you know we're leaving well they would just say it yeah, that's like, what, what yeah, oakland has done it's like we're, we're just saying it we're, we got we got to go 700 plus million dollars of public money new facility yeah darn right we're going to las vegas so so anthony precourt who owned the crew or still owns the crew right now had been entertaining austin as you said uh, secured, got approval down in Austin for a $200 million stadium. They released some marketing about Austin FC. I think they even named the team. Uh, if the crew stay, it does at least seem like there is growing momentum for an MLS team in Austin. Do you think we end up with an expansion situation and another huge expansion check that gets divvied up among all the other owners in MLS? It certainly seems that the goal is to add more teams still, yeah. I would say then, yes, they've put their hand up as a we're next or we'd like to be next and look at what we've already done, sort of what Montreal. We never discussed, you know, Montreal putting their hand up to get an NBA expansion team. Mm -hmm. You know, they've got an ownership group, a guy willing to put down 10%. You've got the the, the tickets, uh, the ticket list waiting to go. 
Yeah, that's the way it's done these days. You, it's almost like you have to prove yourself before you consider. Here we are. We're ready. Look at what we've got. We've got the group. We've got the fans. We're ready to roll. In which case, this is this seems like a great result for MLS as an overall entity. Sure, another city right? saying you, they won in you, the game. You make Absolutely. your home fans feel like they, you know, they matter in the league. They they keep the team in Columbus. You've already set up an, a really easy landing spot for a new team, one that will pay an expansion fee, and which the Columbus Crew wouldn't have if they moved just from from Ohio down to Texas. It seems like a, an all in all. What's the all distance? You, who's got the quick move? What's the distance from Columbus to Cleveland? Anybody know? I, I don't know. I am not, I'm I, not sure. My guess is that's a four or five hour four, drive. Too much. Yeah. Like, sort of. All right. I'm just. What sort of synergies again are the franchises? I mean, you could obviously use you could, uh, the, the the ticketing, the marketing, the tech. You can use all that for both franchises and save. I'm just curious what overlap there will be in the fan bases. Speaking of Columbus. Speaking, which of is a two and big, a half hour drive. Yeah, all right, all right that's doable. Yeah, yeah, yeah you there can. You I mean, again, and the the advantage of the NFL, you only got eight games, it's only eight times a year. Yeah, so well, we'll see how that turns out. Yeah, another story, and this is really Evan is all over this uh, concerning the college sports trial. Uh, take it away. Yeah, it's what a mess for the NCAA overall. You know, uh, the the last October when the FBI announced all these bribery problems yeah. that they had uncovered in college basketball. The, the first trials from those uh, from that investigation is going on right now in New York, uh, and it has not disappointed. If you were looking for a lot of big names, a lot of players you know, including you know number one overall pick DeAndre Ayton from the NBA draft, if you wanted coaches names that you know, you know Jim Laranega, Sean Miller, Bill Self, a lot of dirty laundry is being aired right now. They're I right. thought they were educators of young <laughs> men, Noe Williams. <laughs> well, what do you mean this this happens? There has not been no kind of huge bomb of, of news. There, there's no at least evidence that's been revealed yet that those coaches were directly involved. But it seems abundantly clear that, you know, the, what a lot of us knew, as we've talked about before, uh, that, that the under, you know, the, the, the dark economy in college basketball is alive and well. There are people employed at universities, be they assistant coaches or managers, that are very much involved in this economy. They're aware of it. Uh, the money is not flowing just from e- the sneaker companies like Adidas to players without, you know, without schools being aware of it. It's going to put the NCAA in a very weird position. This trial puts the schools as victims, um, and when this trial is over, the NCAA is going to have to look at all the evidence and decide how it wants to punish the schools where violations took place. And we're talking about some of the biggest programs in college basketball. We're talking about Miami. We're talking about uh, Arizona. We're talking about Kansas. You know, the, there is a there is a lot going on here. Louisville, which, you know, has been probably the most public uh, school involved in the, in the whole thing. Um, it's a weird place for the NCAA, uh, and I don't know exactly how it's going to shake out. There's a fun legal standard called willful blindness. That sometimes gets applied for <laughs> folks who say, I didn't know. Yeah. Well, that said um, a lot today. That, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, as someone who grew up in sort of the height of the Dick Vitale era and Dickie V screaming about P.T. Piers and the coaches, uh, you still hear about these coaches talked about with reverence, which amazes me. I then, then I watch Nick Saban. <laughs> have the gall to criticize the Alabama students oh my. who are choosing not to go to games like maybe it's not special to be an Alabama football anymore. But like, you know what, dude? Two words. Shut up. I, I You know what? I, when I read that, I'm like, come on, man. It's like, listen, maybe they have to study. 
<laughs> Maybe. Hey, I don't care what they have to do. This is this is the point. Sports in general is a meritocracy. If you can play, you can play. You get picked. You get the guys you want on your team. Guess what? Entertainment dollars also a meritocracy. If these people felt compelled to go and see whatever it is you're selling, they'd fork over the money. They have decided that the value proposition for them, whether it be money, whether it be fun, whether it be time away from their studies, whatever it is, they have decided they would rather do something else. And maybe it's the fact that you're crushing teams by 75 <laughs> points every week. And in sports, if you know the outcome, why go, why bother? I mean, maybe you shouldn't schedule Cupcake Central and those games. Who knows? Whatever their, whatever their reason is. The fact remains is it's a meritocracy and they've decided to do something else. Respect the decision. See, and, I, and I'm, I'm going to clarify. I like Nick Saban. I like Alabama. I like their football program. I like all of that. But don't criticize the students who are there for an education in the first place why they're not going to a football game. Because, again, first of all, it, it does cost some money. And if you're a college student, a normal college student, you might not have the money to go. You might have to worry about buying ramen noodles. You might have to worry about buying books. It's it's like, come on, it's let's let's take a step back here for a second. And this is a huge concern for athletic directors. It's not not in the way that Nick Saban was complaining about it, but college football attendance is down yeah. significantly. People aren't going to games as much as they used to, and and because they're not going to games, they don't have the affinity or the equity they feel like they that other people that goes might down have. the line with the goes university goes line. to da- donations exactly. later on they yeah. might watch less on tv they might yep. donate less that that terrifies uh administrators it terrifies athletic directors uh i don't think nick saban is complaining in that alabama's hurting for cash but outside of the alabama world uh empty seats in college football stadiums is a huge concern but he could have said it differently he could have said listen students come on out and it's like you know we we want you to come out not like well hey maybe we just need to give these tickets to the first come first serve is like no 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 the kid the students are going to get an education number one uno well mm-hmm. let me tell you about a fun story one time so i'm i'm walking down the main drag at syracuse university my alma mater and I just happened to be at the tail end of a pack getting a tour. And the chancellor at the time was leading this group. Uh, I didn't join on purpose. I wasn't eavesdropping. I just happened to be within earshot. And somebody said to the chancellor at the time, I love this, uh, Melvin Eggers, he said, how many students go to Syracuse? And you know the best, the best answer I ever heard, Barr? Right. said about one in a thousand. <laughs> so about that they're going there for an education i'm not so i don't know why they're going there but i i locked that one away because it was such a great line like he really needed to say nothing else about one in a thousand that's a mic drop yeah, right I, there. I, so in, in essence i don't know what, what's it 15 18 i don't know how many are even there now but did, did you go to syracuse i said my alma mater no i know but did you go did i go as a student <laughs> yeah i will say for my major i would say in the in the graph of students who were there just to party, and then at the high end here, all the way to the right, the graph who were just to spend time in the lab and learn as much as they could, I would say I was three-quarters of the way to the learners. Okay. Because mo- most of mine is a broadcast journalism student major. My final two years were all practical stuff. Right. It was like, my class was you show up in the morning, you get a job, you're the producer today, you're the director, you're running the teleprompter, you're the anchor, you're the weatherman, you're the sports guy. My class was that. So we'd show up 
And then at five o'clock in the afternoon or four, whatever it was, we'd put on an actual newscast. Hmm. And then you hmm. would sort of get graded. So it wasn't, let me read this book and take a test. It was, it was practical. And my, remember this? Remember when people say, I remember where I was when Magic Johnson announced he was HIV positive? I was covering yeah. that. Well, yeah. you, you know where I was, Barr? Where? I was in my practical broadcast yeah. journalism class as the sports anchor that night. See, so you it was, this. Yep, yep. It's, oh, I remember. So it was like, boom, go to the athletic. You go here. I had to do it. I led the newscast because obviously that was the biggest news of the day. So, yeah. We're old. I, I would, so 75% of the way, but not to say I didn't have my oh, fun when- Oh, you said when, two-thirds, didn't you? I don't know. It's close, oh, same. Oh 66. 66, <laughs> 66, 75, three-fourths, two-thirds. I, I was closer to that, but I did enjoy some time off when perhaps I, I could have had another internship or something. Oh, okay. Right. And look at where you are now. Take yeah. that, Melvin Eggers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> On that note, this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports Podcast. I'm Michael Barr, along with Scott Soschnick. You are old just like I am. I am. You are. And Evan Novi Williams with the cool man bun. Man. Ugh, we're here. Oh, God, the underscore and the man bun. We're here each and every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Good thing you're a really good guy. Exploring the world of money and sports. Join us again at the end of the week when Scott and Michael speak with five-time IndyCar champion Scott Dixon. Woohoo! Uh, Bar's so excited. I'm sorry. So excited. Okay. That's it at all. You're so excited. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports on Bloomberg Radio around the world and online as a podcast. Wear a bit.